In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Visions were not widespread. He probably didn't expect that to be what God was going to say to him. He had grown up there in the temple, consecrated as an infant by his mother to go live and serve there. He saw his parents just once a year, so Eli, the old priest, was probably the closest thing to a father figure he had. So when Samuel heard a voice calling him in the middle of the night, of course he thought it was Eli, until it turned out to be the voice of the Lord. This is one of the more famous stories in the Hebrew Bible, and a lot of times when this story is read, it stops with Samuel's answer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What a great place to stop. It's inspiring. Suitable for framing. Would that all of us would be as receptive to hear God's call. But when you stop the story there, it leaves out the awkward part, because what God actually tells Samuel to do is to go pronounce judgment against Eli, his mentor. He probably didn't expect that to be what God was going to say to him. Eli wasn't personally corrupt, but he was negligent. His two adult sons, who were also priests and were the ones who ran the temple, had turned it into a personal enrichment operation. They took the best portions of the people's sacrifices for themselves, the parts that were supposed to be reserved for God. Meanwhile, they sexually exploited the women who served as temple assistants. It was a place where the outward forms of the institution remained, the dignity and the grandeur of the temple and its rituals. But inwardly, it was hollowed out. Inwardly, it was corrupt. Those who were supposed to be serving the people were instead ignoring them and exploiting the people for their own comfort and their own enjoyment. It seems like a good story for us to read in our time. A time when we are seeing so clearly the corruption and dysfunction that have set into some of our own sacred institutions as a society. With the outward forms of dignity and grandeur, cloaking a great deal of cynicism and manipulation and greed. Years of gleeful, casual self-enrichment by public officials sworn to uphold the public interest. Office holders sworn to defend the Constitution using their very platforms to undermine it. Two Wednesdays ago, we saw for a moment the outward grandeur and dignity broken for a time. We saw a rampaging mob bringing home some of the consequences of that cynicism to roost. And yet by that very evening, we were once again seeing more than 100 representatives and several senators genteelly following the rules of parliamentary procedure to try to overthrow a free and fair election. And meanwhile, with the dysfunction raging, these white marbled dignified institutions of our society are increasingly incapable of turning to the real issues that cry out in people's lives. 
the fighting of a pandemic, the fighting of poverty and racial inequality, the fighting of the ever accelerating danger of climate change. And so in Samuel's day, it was with the temple. And God called Samuel as a prophet and gave him his first task to name what was broken, to call out the wrong. And in a time of dysfunction, that is pretty much the first thing that's needed. The first, the first step toward health is diagnosing what's sick. It was a time when the word of the Lord was rare and visions were not widespread. So Samuel became the voice of reproach. He saw what was wrong and he named it. And that is an essential quality in times when visions are rare. But there comes a time when we do need a vision too. We heard another kind of call story today from the Gospel of John. It's the call of Nathaniel. Philip, who has just discovered Jesus, goes and finds Nathaniel and breathlessly tells him about this one whom he's discovered. And Nathaniel's response is pretty cynical. A Messiah from Nazareth? Give me a break. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It seems Nathaniel has some personal work to do. And we might imagine Jesus coming to Nathaniel and reproaching him rebuking him for his prejudice and his dismissiveness. And instead, Jesus seems to see something in Nathaniel. Maybe it's even Nathaniel's plain spokenness, this willingness to come right out and say what he thinks that Jesus picks up on when he says, here's a real Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. And it's as if Jesus sees what is wrong in Nathaniel, but also sees what Nathaniel can be. You might say he has a vision for Nathaniel. And Nathaniel responds enthusiastically. Something about Jesus calls to him. And he acclaims Jesus as the king of Israel, king of Israel. But then Jesus offers even more. You think this is something? You're going to see bigger things than this. And then Jesus gives Nathanael a bigger vision. He tells him that he's going to see heaven opened up and Jesus himself serving as the ladder between heaven and earth. Jesus moves Nathanael further from thinking about Jesus as a worldly king to starting to glimpse what Jesus might really be about, setting the entire cosmos right, reconciling the whole creation to its God, the ladder between heaven and earth. Now that's a vision that can captivate and energize. A lot of times we need to name what's broken so that we can clearly see what's wrong. And then on top of just naming what's broken, we also need a vision of what can be. Because it's that positive vision, that dream, that can actually transform people's hearts and energize people's bodies to go do the work. It worked for Nathaniel, who grew past his first prejudice about Nazareth and became a disciple. And in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, we see Nathaniel again as one of the witnesses to the resurrection. 
Now this weekend, in the midst of our current political crisis, we are, of course, commemorating a leader from another time of crisis. Tomorrow, our nation marks Martin Luther King Jr., a 20th century prophet, who very much both named what was broken and also had a vision of what could be. Just like Samuel, Dr. King experienced a call from God that turned out to be an uncomfortable one. It might not have been the call that he had hoped for. A call to call out what was evil, to name the sickness at the heart of a nation that called itself free. And he grounded that rebuke in a vision, a vision of what that nation could be, what the world could be, should be, would be. He spoke of the beloved community, a vision of a society that wasn't just free of the bad things, a society that wasn't just liberated from the most obvious evils like segregated schools, segregated water fountains. Yes, it would be free of those things, but the beloved community is something more. It was a society where poverty would not exist, hunger would not exist, homelessness would not exist because they would be considered intolerable. It would be a society built on love, not just the absence of wrong, but the positive glowing vision of a future that can be. So today I ask you, you who have been baptized and anointed by God's Holy Spirit, you who are prophets and priests of the living God through Jesus Christ, where's your call to name the world's brokenness? And what is the vision that animates you? How this week, this month, this year, how might God be using you? to both name what is broken and to articulate a dream of God's future. Today, as we look at the brokenness of our nation and our world, we need to stand firm against lies, against the subversion of our democracy, against white supremacy. And we stand firm against these things in the name of what we are for, a greater vision and it is the vision that Dr. King called the beloved community or the Archbishop Desmond Tutu today calls God's dream. It's a vision of an earth at peace with plenty for all, where no one's flourishing depends on another person's pain, where we live in harmony with our environment, with the species around us. It's a vision of a just society and for us as Christians, the vision gets even bigger. Because that vision of a just society is grounded in a cosmic vision. The vision of heaven and earth made one, with Jesus Christ as the ladder that connects them. It's a vision of angels and archangels and all the company of heaven and all the company of earth united in thanks and praise forever.